Attention parents and coaches. Do you wish you had a safe social media platform for your youth athletes? Fortunately for you, there's a revolutionary new app that helps with just that. Introducing Small Player Big Play. Small Player Big Play app provides young athletes, parents, and coaches a user-friendly sports social media platform. The app allows users to connect with friends, make new friends, create groups, text, chat, and post pictures and videos of you and your teammates participating in your favorite sport or activity. To begin, users can simply download and sign up for the app using an email account. Younger users have the ability to sign up using their smartphone and a parent's email address. From there, users can begin to interact and engage with other users of the app. Small Player Big Play app also gives users the ability to live stream full games and events. You can live stream your event so that friends, family, or anyone in the world can see you in action. Users can also share posts from the app to their other social media accounts like Facebook and Twitter. What are you waiting for? Get in the game and share your love of sports with the world. Download the Small Player Big Play app today. Are you ready to listen to my dad Joe and Uncle Justin talk about sports? Now on with the show. The Joe Mays and J Raff Show is brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop, which has been serving the greater Westlawn area delicious food for over 70 years. You are listening to The Joe Mays and J Raff Show. Boring. A. <clears throat> weekly podcast about sports since 2011. Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? With a focus on football. Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. It is going to use up all the time. The game is over. And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 326 of the Joe Mays and J Raff Show. We're doing things a little bit different tonight because of the snowstorm here. Justin is not in the studio with me, but he is here via Zoom, as is our guest. Welcoming back for the third time is Mr. Paul Roberts. Paul, Justin, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Uh, maybe go out for a first round of shoveling after this, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was going to say I was doing okay until I saw the snow coming down and uh, after 4 years at Syracuse University, I've seen enough snow for a <laughs> lifetime. So, I know some people think it's pretty and it's fun. Um I I I do not. I don't. Yeah, it's a lot more fun when you're not the one that has to get rid of it. Like my kids today were already freaking out when there was just a very light dusting outside. Like they immediately were like, "Let's go out." And I'm like, "There's there's nothing out there. Why do you want to go out? It's cold out there. Now they had to go out and run around for about half an hour. But uh, yeah, I know tomorrow is going to be absolutely 
bonkers for them as they have a, a remote virtual day of school, which is going to be uh, done quickly so that they can get outside and play. But uh, thank you, Paul and Justin, for joining uh, me on the show tonight. Glad you both could make it. And uh, we're going to have a fun show. We're going to be focused on the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about Super Bowl 55 between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. And, and Justin, I did want to mention and point out that that was the last time we'll ever hear that intro. It'll be changed by the next time. Yeah. Um, the, sh- the episode 327, which will be uh, about three weeks from now, which will actually be our 10th anniversary show. Uh, so we're looking forward to being back in uh, in three weeks' time to, uh, you know, we'll talk about the Super Bowl recap, what happened, uh, but we'll have a new intro. So I'm hoping it's still related to the Chiefs and we're not talking about Tom Brady getting a seventh ring. But like I said, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, but first, Justin and I wanted to ask uh, Paul a few questions outside of uh, pro football and um, let's let's start local first. Let's let's go um, hyper local here in the Westlawn area. Uh, Paul, you're very active in the scholastic community in this area. You like to watch a lot of the uh, student athletes play. Um, you know, not just at Wilson, all around Berks County. But there was a big game uh, on Friday night in Westlawn featuring Wilson playing Reading. Both teams came into the game undefeated at eight and zero, and Wilson, I think, was on a. 30-game winning streak. Both teams look very strong again this season. So far, Paul, what's your take on uh, Wilson, and what did you think of the Wilson-Redding matchup Friday night? I'll say this. It was really awkward with the limited fans there because normally if it's Wilson-Redding, it's going to be a mob scene, uh, whether it's in West Lawn or, or even at the Geigel, which holds about 3,400. You're right. Wilson had won 30 in a row, 22 straight to end last year. And then they came into that game eight. No, I'll be honest with you guys. I was not expecting that type of game. Uh, I would, if, if someone would have told me it would have been lopsided, I would have taken Reading high. Uh, I was really impressed with the way Wilson shot the ball. Uh, you know, and, and I spoke with coach Coldren after the game and, and he wasn't surprised, but 10 of 15, I mean, you don't see pro teams, shooting 67% from beyond the arc. And that's what Wilson was able to do against Reading High. Uh, They were 10 of 15. So for them to make 10 threes, that was a huge difference in the game. It ended up being a a 14-point margin, but it wasn't that close. I mean, that that was really a 20 to 25-point type of game. I mean, Wilson really handled them. Uh, Stevie Mitchell had over 30. He was phenomenal again. But early on, you saw Chris Vasquez knock down some threes. Uh, that was a big game for him because a couple of years ago, he was at Reading High, then transferred to Wilson. So he was, he was certainly ready to go. I'm going to have to start calling him Robin Hood now because he's, he's shooting these arrows after every made three everywhere. <laughs> I, I guess he picked that up on YouTube. That was a big thing a couple of years ago, and then it – kind of faded out, but I guess he's trying to bring it back. And then Ryan Strobel nailed three three-pointers in the third quarter, and that really gave Wilson some separation. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I think that was about as well as as they could play. And I've seen every team in Division One in person. I've seen Muhlenberg and Conrad Weiser in Division Two in person. Those are the top two teams there. Uh, why missing 
is the leader in Division Three. I've been able to see them in person. I was hoping to see Antietam last week, and then unfortunately, due to a COVID issue involving why missing that game got canceled. So why missing is going to be off for a couple of weeks, but thoroughly impressed with what Wilson was able to do. You know, not having Timochenko, not having Lockhart. You know, sometimes you wonder how are these guys going to be able to to do on the glass because they're they're playing four guards. I mean, it's a really undersized team. Richard Waugh starts at a power forward center position, if you want to call it that, and he's six two or six three. Uh, I thought Luke Coleman, who everybody knows from baseball, phenomenal pitcher. Uh, I thought he gave them good minutes defensively, uh, and and then Redding comes back yesterday and beats Harrisburg at the Geigel. So I know their fans have big, big expectations every year. And I'm sure they were upset, not just losing to Wilson, but the way it went down, kind of getting blown out like that. But I wouldn't count this team out. You know, it's late January. You don't win championships in January. When you have Osamanu, who is getting a ton of PSAC interest, when you have Daniel Alcantara, and Ruben Rodriguez, who had 24 against Wilson and then came back with 27 last night against Harrisburg. Uh, when you have those type of players, uh, you know, Redding is still going to be a factor. They're a little thinner than I think some people thought coming in because they weren't aware of some of the players that had left, uh, including a couple that are starting at, at Muhlenberg now. Uh, so and and Denim Adams is not playing, and I'm not sure if he is going to play at all for them this year. So they don't have quite the size. Ermel Florenville is down in Florida now. Uh, they should get Deshaun Wilson back sometime, I think, in early February, uh, who will help with their depth a little bit. But overall, thoroughly impressed with what Wilson did. Yeah, I mean, Paul, I think you nailed it on the head. You you said exactly what I was thinking. Going into the game, I was really concerned just with, with the way Wilson had played against Mifflin just a few nights prior. I was concerned about the game. You know, they're riding a huge win streak, and I know that that's always on their mind. You know, they, they had that motto of not wanting to lose another game that they carry over from last year. But with the way Reading had been playing and how stacked they were, even though that they were, they were young at a lot of spots or in, in the depth category, it just seemed like things were working Redding's fashion. And when, man, when I was following your updates on Twitter and watching the game on YouTube, I was just blown away by what was happening. I couldn't believe they could keep it up. But Justin, you've seen them play in person. I have not gotten to a game yet. I'm hoping to change that in February. But Justin, you've seen Wilson Boys Hoops play. Uh, what do you think so far of uh, the Bulldogs basketball team? Yeah, I think I think Friday night was was that was a really good performance. And Paul, Paul mentioned that, like, I don't know, like in terms of the shooting, that was, that was pretty surreal. Um, what I noticed the biggest difference between Wednesday, cause I was at the game at Wednesday on Wednesday at uh, Mifflin, I was keeping the scorebook and they, um, one of the things that I know they weren't real pleased with was some of the defensive effort during that game. And they, they were able to shore things up and get stops when they needed them down the stretch in that game, which, you know, you can go to that. Oh, you know, the signs of a good team is the win when you're not at your best. And that's, that's absolutely true. But everyone leaving that gym on Wednesday night in Chillington knew they better play a heck of a lot better on Friday night, or it was going to be a long or short night. And, uh, they, they, 
the defensive effort against Reading was what really stood out. I, the shooting stood out, but the defensive effort to hold them to, you know, minimal points in the first half, uh, that doesn't happen. You know, Reading usually wants to get out and run. And, you know, that was one of the things, maybe having the four guards um, and fairly veteran guards, you know, like there's a lot of seniors there. Um, they weren't, Wilson didn't turn the ball over. I think I read that it was like three turnovers in the first half or something, which is, that's good because if you turn it over against Reading, it's going to be two the other way. And um, so it was, it was fun watching them do that. And from, from my point of view, it was fun <laughs> watching them do that on, on Friday night. But I thought again, reading about it the next day and, and watching some of the interviews that Paul had after the game, you know, stuff like that, they all were just like, yeah, it's great, but we know we're going to face them. They'll face them again in the league schedule. They'll likely face them after that and could face likely them, face them after that again. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's crazy to, uh, to know what's going to happen down the stretch. Uh, yeah, I think the meeting at the Geigo could go a little bit differently. Not saying obviously that Wilson can't win. Cause that's certainly not true, but I expect the game to, to go a little bit differently. I'm from, Mine and Justin's perspective, obviously, we hope Wilson comes out on top. But let's so, us quick, quick, quick little side note: the first varsity game I ever kept the book for. So I, I just fill in on the book for the varsity. I do it for the ninety eight team. Was Wilson at Reading at the Geigel Lonnie's freshman year? Oh, so that was with Trey Code and that Wilson team, and they they won. They were good too. That yeah. game. But the first first high school game I ever keep the book for is Wilson at Reading at the Geigel. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, man. Nothing like being thrown into the fire right away. Right, exactly, exactly. So That Wilson team actually went 4-0 against uh, yeah. Reading High that year. Yeah, Trey Code was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Calway was, was on that team. Yep. Matt Timichenko was on that team. Evan's older brother. Uh, that, was, that was a real – Sam Smith. Was on yes. that team. Was that 13, 14, into, 2013, yeah. 2014? Yeah. Yep. He turned into a really good Division three player, left-handed kid who could shoot it. Uh, they had Kyle Watkins, who was kind of a blue-collar, yep. uh, solid role player. Yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was a really, really good Wilson team. And then the rivalry certainly shifted after, yeah. after I don't, that year. <laughs> I don't think Lonnie lost again after that year. I don't think he lost again to, to Wilson. So. <laughs> yeah, they had a streak of, I think it was five or six, five, I think, division titles until, of course, last year when Wilson, again, was able to get them twice in the regular season, uh, then beat them in the, the county playoffs. And then, of course, the district final, which was the best game by far, where Wilson had a double-digit lead in the third quarter and then actually trailed briefly in the fourth quarter. Reading had a tremendous comeback. Uh, in that game and Wilson ended up holding on it and got its first district title. Yeah. And Justin and I saw you there, Paul, we all were in the building for that one. That was a heck of a game. Uh, actually my, uh, my first, uh, district basketball game to photograph. So that was a great one to be at a lot of fun. And, uh, hopefully, uh, Hey, I hope Wilson Redding meets a few more times. This means both teams are still performing well, and that's great, especially when you're talking districts for Berks County basketball. Um, I, let, let's transition off, uh, off of basketball onto football. But before we talk about Buccaneers, Chiefs, and the Super Bowl, I, I think it would be important for us to discuss the kind of pending blockbuster trade involving two of the franchises. Uh, the Lions and the Rams have apparently agreed on a trade. 
Goff and Stafford involved, obviously going back and forth, Stafford to the Rams and Goff to the Lions, but it's really what the Rams are sending to the Lions that really makes it jump off the page. You know, they're getting a third round pick this year, but then two first round picks next year and the year after. It's it's mind boggling what the Rams are giving up to get Stafford, but it's as much getting Stafford as getting rid of Goff, sending him packing. Paul, what do you make of uh, this trade involving two franchise quarterbacks? Well, I think it shows just how important that position is in the National Football League. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. If if you don't have a really good quarterback, you don't win. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. And I know there are people out there that think quarterbacks get too much attention. There's too much time spent talking about quarterbacks. But it's the most important position in professional sports. And there are some examples of average quarterbacks you know, getting to a Super Bowl, you know, you think about a Mark Rippon, a Doug Williams with the the Redskins, you know, Dilfer. I mean, there, there are some, but, you know, the vast majority of Super Bowls, you're going to see really good quarterback play. So I think the Rams are at a point right now where they feel like, hey, the rest of our team is ready to go. I mean, we're Super Bowl ready if we have a quarterback and I'm not sure exactly what's happened with golf because when they got to a Super Bowl, he had a really good year and it looked like he had a bright future. Now, a lot of what they do is off of play action. You know, they, they like to establish the run. That's when Gurley was playing really well and they would establish that and then play action pass off of that. But I think golf has shown He's not an elite quarterback, and you know they want to get someone in there who can really spin it. And Stafford has not been on great teams, but he can throw the football. I mean, he's he can make all the throws. They they haven't had team success, but you know he's he's certainly talented. And I I think you know they were in desperation mode and realized, look, are we going to waste this defense? with Aaron Donald and company, Jalen Ramsey. Are we going to waste these guys because our quarterback isn't good enough to get the job done? So did they give up a lot? Absolutely. But I, I just think they felt golf wasn't the answer and the rest of their team is ready to go. So let's try to address that position. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um, my dad says he thinks that they gave up way too much. But if you know, if it turns out if they get to another Super Bowl, I know that people would like them to win a Super Bowl. But if they get back to the Super Bowl, you know, it was probably worth it for them. If they fail to win the division or God may even fail to make the playoffs, it's going to look awful because they don't have a first round pick till twenty twenty four, and they haven't made a first round pick since twenty sixteen, and that was on Jared Goff. So. Yeah, they're definitely in win now mode, one hundred percent, completely. Um, it just—I guess we should have seen the writing on the wall with the way no one was committing to golf, and you know, basically all the exit interviews that were happening after their loss to the Packers. It was just kind of crazy to see how quickly it happened. Um, how about Paul? Did you see the the story about how Stafford? basically would accept a trade anywhere but New England. What, what do you make of that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did read that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that is all about unless he's just not a Belichick fan or feels like it's it's not a good situation there. Uh, but you brought up an interesting point about how this is going to be looked at 
if the Rams don't get to the Super Bowl. And I, I would agree. But let's remember that division. You have the 49ers who, who were decimated by injuries this year, but still a, a good team. I mean, they're not a team that you're – I mean, they beat some teams this year that you thought, man, they, they don't have anybody healthy who's playing, and they still were able to win. I think that organization did a good job of drafting up front, which is where a lot of games are won. And then also Seattle. I mean, anytime you have Russell Wilson, you know, that that's going to be a dangerous team. So that division is, is no walk in the park. And people were really high on Arizona coming into this year. Uh, you have Kyler Murray. I mean, we'll, we'll still wait and see. I think the jury's out there, but, when you play Arizona, it's, it's not a, a gimme win. So uh, that division is tough. I did see that though, about, about Stafford. Uh, I'm not sure uh, why he felt that way. Why the bill, the uh, Patriots were the one team. Maybe he looked at their offense this year and thought they don't have any playmakers, which they don't. I mean, that, you know, their, their quarterback play was very poor. Cam Newton looked awful, but did you see guys getting open when you watched New England this year? Did you see separation from their wide receivers and their tight ends? You know, the days of Gronk getting open all the time, they're over. So maybe that was something that that had to go into that situation. And Sean McVay is well-respected, and he's a young guy. You know, everyone was raving about him when they got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, you know, I don't think he forgot everything he learned, so – probably a better fit for Stafford. And this, I know for a fact, definitely warmer where he's going than playing up in Fox. <laughs> That's for sure. Now I know, um, you see, Justin and I were talking to, uh, with Adam Filer about this. So we have a group chat going, talking all kinds of sports stuff. And, and Adam was all too eager to share the Stafford New England thing because we're all Patriots haters. He's a Bills fan and I'm a Dolphins fan. So anytime anyone can stick it to New England, we're on that. And my, my uncle's a huge Patriots fan. And we like to mention that every time we're on the show. Anytime we can bash New England, we're on it. But I think Justin wants to take this one. So I'm going to let Justin talk about it. Yeah, so one of the things... And I, I've been a Rams hater, right? So like, but I, I feel like, I feel like it was a lot to give up, but if they make it to a Super Bowl, and I feel like they clearly feel like they were a quarterback away. And when I look at it, it's hard to argue th- that they're not like based on the way golf has played the last couple of years, if they get an average year out of Stafford, that would be probably about as good as Goff has played. And I mean, I just, I, as an NFC fan, I'm like, Oh man, I think the Rams could, could really put it together. Paul mentioned they have that, that division has potential to be loaded. Some people think the Niners are potential, you know, to maybe go out and get a a big time quarterback or something like that. But when I look at Stafford, Stafford's, I say only 32. So like, I don't think it's out of the question that he could maybe play six more years or so. Maybe, maybe longer. We're seeing some guys do it now. I don't know about his desire to, or anything like that, but you know, it, if he's not looking to hang it up in the next year or two, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, but the Rams really have backed themselves into this kind of situation where they almost need to go out and make big, like moves each off season in terms of free agency and trades, because 
they usually just don't have the draft capital that be able to build their team that way. Like they went out and got Jalen Ramsey and traded away first round picks. And then they find themselves in these cap positions and usually need to go out and make big moves. Um, but it's, it's hard to argue that it's not working for them. I mean, they're getting it done, but I, I am hesitant to just throw, be like, oh, well, it's working for them. Yeah, but they're only halfway through that stretch where they're not going to have any first round picks. So like it, from a talent standpoint, it's one thing, but they talk about now, the biggest thing with drafting guys in the first round is you get them locked up for five years if you want them. So I think that's where it's going to maybe hurt them is in the salary cap issues, not so much the talent. But you know what? Like looking at where my team is with the Eagles, like it not that they did it this way, but in the sense of like, if you tell me, oh, you win a Super Bowl and then you're gonna stink for a little bit, but like, okay, like I think I think Rams fans right now would take like, hey, if we have if you tell me we've got a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl in the next three years, like a really good shot with Stafford, we'll take it and worry about the future later. So Justin. Do you was there anything else surrounding the Patriots stuff though? Paul kind of hit on one point that I wanted to bring up. Do they have enough so, offensive talent? But I think there was another key aspect of it that didn't appear to me on surface until I read the articles and and talked to you guys about it. So so I I didn't actually have a chance to read the article yet. One of the things that I thought was interesting was or that I've thought maybe was like I don't know that people want to go and be the guy in new England after Tom Brady was there. Um, and I, I know they're ultra competitors and like, that's not necessarily the way they think, but I mean, I know Cam Newton was there this year, but I feel like people are going to write that off. And I don't know that that would necessarily like fill in that. I don't know that that's where he's looking to be. Yeah. Well, the other thing that was presented in the articles I read about it, um, yeah. inclu- including one from pro football talk was, that Matt Patricia is now back in New England and, you know, he was there in Detroit the last, what, two and a half years. Uh, and there was kind of rumors saying that Stafford and Patricia may not have gotten along or saw eye to eye all the time. And he may have been fed up with uh, the Patriot way, at least the way that Matt Patricia went about doing it. So it's interesting to see uh, what's going on with uh, two big quarterbacks changing locations. But those teams are not in the Super Bowl. Uh, let's talk about the ones that are – so Chiefs, Buccaneers, Kansas City back for the second straight year, looking for back-to-back, which would be the first team to do so since the Patriots um, about 15 years ago. So, Paul, what do you think on, on the surface, this matchup? Uh, I th- feel like when we talked to you the first time back in November, we almost were telestrating that this is what the, the game's, game was going to be. I mean, Justin and I were hard on the Chiefs, and we were kind of doubting the Bucks because at the time – they were looking okay, but you were all about Tampa Bay. Credit to you. Um, did you see this matchup coming like we think you did? And what do you think of the matchup? Yeah, when when they signed Tom Brady, I, I thought it would be a, a Chiefs Bucks Super Bowl because their quarterback play last year. Listen, you know, I, I harp on turnovers all the time, whether it's high school, college or the NFL. It's the most important stat. When I look at a a box score, it's the first thing that I I look at because it decides games. And when you had Jameis Winston throwing 30 picks, you know, and now you go to the greatest quarterback of all time, 
you don't have to be a, a Bill Parcells or a Joe Gibbs or Bill Belichick to look at the skill guys that Tampa Bay had and say, you know what? If they actually get a quarterback who's not throwing to the wrong team, they're going to be pretty darn good. I mean, when you look at their wide receivers and their tight ends having Evans and Godwin, you know, I mean, they, they have talent there. They just needed to stop turning it over all the time. So I, I did like them. And the Chiefs, you know, <laughs> I don't know that I get a pat on the back for that. I mean, that that was pretty obvious. But I think what happened is they had that stretch and sports betting has become such a huge thing. They didn't cover since November 1st. It was actually against the Jets. That's how long it had been for the Chiefs to cover a game going into the, the playoffs. And I think what happened is people kind of soured on them just because they weren't blowing teams out. They weren't covering, you know, they were winning, but you know, winning by three, winning by four, winning by six or seven. But then you, you got to the Browns game and they, they were clearly in control of that game. And then of course we know what happens. Mahomes gets hurt. Wilson's own Chad Henney comes in uh, makes a phenomenal run on on third and long. It's funny when I talk to my friends from outside the area, they always you know say how slow he looks, and I'm like, listen, this guy in high school was on the track and field team. I mean, and not just for javelin, he could really run. In fact, I believe their relay team won the district championship. So, I mean, he he was a guy that could certainly. Uh, tuck it and run. Everybody remembers the run against Reading High in, in football, but then he got to Michigan and all of a sudden it's a man, Chad's slow. What happened? Well, what happened is now everyone else runs a four five or a four four. And certainly that's what happened in, in the NFL, but to see him run and then dive like that. And then for Andy Reed to have the confidence in his backup quarterback, that tells you a lot about what Andy Reed thinks about Chad Henney to have him, uh, throw the football on that fourth down play. Uh, but my point is, before all that happened, I think they were on their way to covering against Cleveland. And when they played Buffalo, it was one of my favorite plays of the year because Buffalo was getting so much love from the public. And I am usually a contrarian better in that I will look what the public is doing and I will go the other way. The the opposite theory is what I, I like to call it. And it just seemed like everyone was on Buffalo uh, going into that game. And, and they had a great season. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the, they deserve a lot of credit. I think the franchise is headed in the right direction. Picking up digs was a phenomenal move by that front office to give Allen uh, some talent there. But I've seen that Bills defense this year, and I, I, I just had a feeling that Mahomes was going to have his way. And that final score was deceiving because you had the onside kick. They got another score. Kansas City, after that slow start, they got down 9-0. They, they dominated the Buffalo Bills. So I like Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I would definitely take it at three as opposed to three and a half. Uh, just a little nugget why that's so important. 15% of all NFL games land on three. Uh, that, that's a very significant number. That, that's why you hear about the hook and the difference between two and a half, three, three and a half. It, it really is a big difference. But I like Kansas City in this game. 
just because of the the Bucks secondary. You know, I, I like their front seven. I don't like the back end of that defense. And even though they beat Green Bay and they did it in Lambeau, I give them a lot of credit. Aaron Rodgers threw for almost 350 yards in that game. The week before, the Saints handed the, them the game on a silver platter. It, it, the turnovers were four to nothing in the game. Drew Brees couldn't throw anything over 10 yards in that game. And then their first playoff game, they struggled with Washington, who had Taylor Heineke as opposed to Heineken, which I may have one <laughs> after the show. But they, they struggled with that Washington team. Uh, so I, I like Tampa Bay, and I, I think they can put up some points because I'm not in love with Kansas City's defense either. But I just don't know how that Tampa Bay secondary is going to slow down Patrick Mahomes, who, who now should be fully healthy after another you know extra week off. Kelsey's one of the best tight ends we've ever seen, not just of his era, ever. And you have the, maybe the fastest player in the game in Tyreek Hill. I, I think back to last year's Super Bowl, last point here, guys. Remember how they were struggling against San Francisco? They had 10 points until the fourth quarter and then scored 21 and, and won the Super Bowl with over 30 points. Now, I would ask you guys and anyone else this, who has a better defense, that San Francisco team or this Tampa Bay team? And they lit them up in the fourth quarter. I mean, th- these guys just have a way of flipping that switch. So I'm hoping it's going to be a really good game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't want anybody to get me wrong there. But I like the passing game of Mahomes versus the Bucks secondary. Yeah, I, I think uh, everything you brought up is spot on. And the biggest question for me as it comes to the Buccaneers is that secondary, especially phenom rookie Antoine Winfield Jr. may not play. They've kind of been coy about his status. He didn't play against the Buccaneers last week and he hasn't practiced or he wouldn't have practiced this week if they had been going through full practices. So if you're missing probably your best secondary player going against Mahomes and the Chiefs right now, you can't feel too great about that. I feel like the only thing that makes me not you know, completely 100% say the Chiefs are going to win is that Tom Brady is the quarterback and there's just something about him when it comes to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. You know, he he's this is his 10th time there. Like, that's absurd. I just... I, and I've actually both rooted for and against Brady in the Super Bowl. Um, see, nine times. I probably have been for him three and against him six. Generally, I come out on top in that, and I whatever I want to happen happens, except for that Falcons game. And, oh, man, that is a that is a touchy one for a lot of people. But I, I don't know. I, I still think it's going to be the Chiefs. I've been on the Chiefs all year, and that has nothing – I mean, it's not solely because Chad is out there. It's just because, obviously, on paper and on the field, they are the best team, and they proved it every week so far except one, a really random game against the Raiders back in like week five or whenever it was. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think this is the Chiefs game. Uh, Paul, you mentioned like you, you favor the Chiefs for sure. You're not counting the Bucks out, but you're going with the Chiefs. Will you pick them both straight up and against the spread then, or, or what are you thinking along those lines? Um, I, I would do it against the spread, but I would tell people to – take three as opposed to three and a half. And this is where it's helpful to have different options as far as sports books that you can look at. Most of them now have it at three. Uh, Some have three and a half. I saw one that had it at three, but it was juiced up to, to one twenty. 
So, you know, typically it's 110, it's 10%. They, they actually had it at, at, at 20%. So we'll wait and see. This is what I'm hoping that, like you said, Joe, and it's a fair point. I'm hoping that the public, as the game gets closer, has the same rationale and says, you know what? I'm not going against Tom Brady. He just went to Lambeau Field and this is his 10th Super Bowl. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, which he is. And I'm hoping that then, you know, we see more threes out there. And I, I will take Kansas City at three. You know, I look at that Packers game. They had the meltdown at the end of the first half where they give up a bomb with a, a second left, which should never have happened. And then early in the second half, you get that catch, fumble, short field touchdown. And now all of a sudden you're looking at a game. It's like, wow, this this could get out of hand. And really those two plays turn things around. But Brady in the second half, from those interceptions, he did not look good so especially that one he lofted up to the right sideline that was just yeah it it looked like a punt yeah Uh, so uh you know i i just and also the head coaching matchup arians versus reed uh, i will take reed any day of the week there he's so good at game planning now he has an extra week go look at his record off a bye it's tremendous because he has the extra time to prepare so i'll go kansas city minus three and I also am, am looking at the over here because I think the public's saying, man, that's a huge total, which it is. But the people that make these lines, they aren't dummies, okay? There's a reason that it's 56 and a half. And when you look at that Bucks secondary, and Kansas City's defense is not elite. Uh, they have some very good players, but you can move the ball on them. So right now I'm leaning a little bit towards the over. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, what is the over-under right now? But you said a 50, is it 56 or 56 and a half? 56 and a half. 56 and a half. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're looking at a like 31-27 type of deal, which right there would, the three, three and a half could be coming plays. You're talking four, four points. It's getting awfully close for a lot of people. A lot of people sweating when, uh, <laughs> you know, at the end with the, especially in the games now, in the Super Bowl, it'll be tough to say they're going to go for the touchdown, not kick the field goal and make it pointless. But we see plenty of games throughout the year where teams do stuff that just really makes either, uh, the house or the betters very very upset. Uh, Justin, what do you take? What is your take on Chiefs Buccaneers? What are you feeling about Super Bowl Fifty Five? Yeah, so I'm I'm a little worried about the Chiefs offensive line um, with Fisher going down with the Achilles injury, um, but I feel like the time to prepare is going to be key. Like if that would have happened early in the game in the Super Bowl, I think it's a bigger issue than when it happens. You know, they're, they're going to have the two full weeks to prepare. Um, like you said, I just – I look at it. If if the Chiefs were to win this game, they would have lost one meaningful game since the middle of December 2019. You know, like they lost to the Chargers, I believe, early in December in last season. And they lost to the Raiders earlier this year, the week 17 game. Yeah, I don't year, really count that. They one. lost, but right. They didn't need it. And, you know, so like, I mean, that's just an unbelievable run, but we see it over and over again that they just get it done. You know, like it's not, I don't, Paul mentioned the spreads and how they weren't, they weren't covering, but I was talking to someone before the bills game and we're like, that trend is going to break at one point and they're either going to lose 
or they're going to like run away with a game. And they ran away with the game against the Bills, even though they were down nine nothing. But we said it. We saw them down nine nothing, and we're like, oh, we know how this is going to go. And it's exactly how it went. Um, I just look at, yeah, like I thought the the that was an interesting point about the defense they went up against last year. That San Francisco defense, that was you know people were talking Lights about it out. being like one of the all time great defenses. Um, and through three quarters of the Super Bowl, people were talking about it being like one of the best ever. Then they took that uh, with picture. what they were doing to <laughs> Kansas City. Yeah, and then. They just next thing you know, in the blink of an eye, it's they scored twenty one and it they're winning the Super Bowl. And I just I I don't know. You, Joey also mentioned it with, with Tom Brady over there. It's hard to be like, oh, I think you know, I don't think they can put up the numbers. But I I I don't know that in a shootout like that, I'm going against <laughs> the Chiefs. Like I know they've got the wide receivers and the weapons, but. Um, I, I just feel like I've seen this a lot lately from Kansas City. I I don't know. The the Bucks are good, but I, I would say I don't know. I, I don't feel like the Packers were necessarily as good as advertised. I don't the Saints certainly weren't. The Saints, like they beat them twice early in the season, but ever since Drew Brees got hurt, they were not the same team. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Saints lost to the Eagles. I know Drew Brees wasn't playing, but the Saints lost to the Eagles this year. And then you know, and like you said, they they struggled in Washington. So I'm I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm riding with the Chiefs this week. All right, yeah, I for sure. I I am definitely on on the Chiefs. I mean, Tom Brady gives me pause, but I got to go with the the Chiefs. Um, ride with Andy Reid and 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 Patrick and Chad. You know, can't go wrong there in that quarterback room. Uh, absolutely love to see it. But um, my dad says. Um, yeah, and Paul Paul mentioned this, but my dad was reinforcing. He says, "You know how Andy Reid is when he has two weeks to prepare." Uh, Paul, do you know what what Andy Reid's record is coming off of a bye? I know it was ridiculous, and he was undefeated at some point. I don't know if he still is. Yeah, he's he's not undefeated, but I mean, it's a really high percentage. I mean, it, if it's not the best in the league, it's oh, it's I yeah, I think top it is two or three, but I I think it is the best uh, in the league, and. You know, the, the Fisher injury, that, that is a concern to me because, you know, I, I like to look at offensive lines a lot more than most people just, just because I think that's where everything starts. And if you can't protect the quarterback and if you can't run the ball when you need to, you could be in trouble. So that is a big injury that's not going to get talked about as much as it should because you have Brady and Mahomes, and you have Kelsey, and Hill, and Evans, and Godwin, and Fournette, and all these other skill position guys, that is a major concern for me. Now, you have a mobile quarterback, which I think helps handle that. If you had uh, you know, a stick figure back there, I-, I think it would be a bigger problem. Maybe they can design some rollouts to the other side, you know, to free up Mahomes, but he, he's, he's, you know, about as mobile as they get in, in the NFL. And I'll, I'll give you another name to watch here. And that's Chris Jones, who is a defensive tackle for Kansas city. Uh, he's a guy that you better be able to take care of. I mean, he's not Aaron Donald, but who is, but he can be a game wrecker. I mean, he's had some big seasons in this league, he's a you know a very good player 
on the interior. And one thing that Brady doesn't like and no quarterback likes is pressure right up the middle, you know, where you really have no time. And Chris Jones, a defensive tackle, you know, the center guard combinations for Tampa Bay, they better be focused on him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's as much as, you know, we want to talk about Tom Brady and the Bucks and the offense and what they've been able to do so far these last, um, what have they, they've won what, have they won eight in a row? Weren't they seven and five at one point? I think they were seven and yeah. five at one yeah, point. They so. were seven and five and, and the Patriots had climbed back to five and seven. And I, there I was thinking, I'm like, man, they got it right where they want them right here. Like they could be, they could end up, you know, within a game or two of each other, but and then that clearly did not th- that didn't work, but uh, but yeah, they were so they were seven and five, so they won their four final regular season games, and now they've won uh, three in a row in the playoffs, so they're on a, a nice little winning streak as well. But I, I think it comes down to pass rush and offensive lines um, could dictate the game, and if the Chiefs do have tr- trouble shutting down the front seven of Tampa Bay, then um, we could be in for a different ball game. But I still I still have to go with the chiefs as all three of us are, are on Kansas city. And, uh, I think the last bit here before to close out, we'll stick with the super bowl talk, but I want to, um, switch gears and go into the, the fun side of sports betting, some interesting prop bets. Paul, I don't know if you partake in the weird and eclectic side of sports betting. Um, and if you do, I would love to hear some of the ones that not necessarily that you put money on, but just ones that you always like to see um, where things are trending. You know, we're talking national anthem and coin flip and Gatorade color and, and anything else you can come up with. Uh, are there any out there that you've seen uh, of late? Uh, this is a funny story from a couple years ago. Uh, one of the podcasts that I listen to that focuses on sports wagering, one of the hosts somehow had seen something from a worker in the stadium that, that they were there. And I forget who was doing the anthem that year, but they were in the arena while she was practicing, you know, like a, a run through and timed it. And somehow, he got a hold of this information. So when the prop bet, one, one of the popular ones is how long right. will, you know, the anthem be? So <laughs> this guy. It's like insider trading. Was, yeah, it really was. So th- this guy said that they had information from someone who was inside there and it was going to go over. And it certainly did. And it wasn't really that close. I think that was, it wasn't last year. I think maybe it was two years ago. So that's just a a funny one there. I'm not as much of a prop player as a lot of guys are. It's become extremely uh, popular, you know, just like fantasy football, where you want to focus in on, on certain players. I like to use the props because I think sometimes they can tell the story of the game. For example, if you look at the passing yard props for these quarterbacks, Mahomes is at 325 and Brady's at 295. I mean, we're talking about 600 combined passing yards, which gets back to the over yes, that I That's what I was going to say. Earlier. Yep. <laughs> you see those type of numbers, that means they're going to be going up and down the field here, which would lend itself to a higher scoring game. So, I don't always play the the props but I like to look at them just to see kind of how the game might 
might go out. Well, and I think it's important from a viewership standpoint that we get the offense on the field because the Super Bowl two years ago, and it's not just because the Patriots won, but Patriots Rams was boring. Like that's the worst you can get out of a Super Bowl. And I feel like that's the first time we were saying that in a while. I feel like the Super Bowls had been pretty good uh, of late, have been fun and entertaining, and there's been great storylines. But I feel like that Patriots Rams won was just not good. I mean, I feel like most of the country didn't want New England to win just because, well, it's the Patriots and they've been winning so much. And yeah, every people have a love hate relationship with Brady, but then it was boring on the field. And last year, thankfully that fourth quarter really helped things out. And it would be exciting to see just an all out offensive, uh, slug fest this year. And I think, like you said, the prop bets are, are at least the experts are thinking that that could uh, be true. Now you said, Brady was at 295, didn't the 290, 295? Right, 295, and Mahomes was 325 for his passing yards. Yeah, I, I, I like the over for Brady. I, I, if they're, if they're going to win that game and stay toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, I feel like uh, Brady's got to hit 300. So that's what I'd be thinking there. Uh, what about MVP odds, uh, Justin and Paul? Obviously, Mahomes and Brady are at the top of that list. If it's not one of the quarterbacks, um, the prop bets have Kelsey Hill and Evans as next three. Do you buy into that? Or is there someone else do you think stands out that could possibly steal the MVP award from one of the quarterbacks? Last 20 years, no running back has been named MVP. So I, I probably would not waste uh, any, any money on that. You know, you, you got to go quarterbacks to me. Now, if you're looking for value, and, you know, you want to take a shot at, at Kelsey or Hill, um, or if you think the Bucks are going to win the game, you want to take a shot at Evans, you know, just to get the longer odds. But it's almost always the quarterback. Well, yeah, it's yeah, tough I to get a receiver it, because the look, quarterback's got to get him the ball. <laughs> right. That's where I look at, like, if it's not Brady or Mahomes, I, I think it's going to be uh, Tyreek Hill, just because in terms of, He's got the ability to have like multiple just insane video game-esque style plays. And if he had a few of those and a few touchdowns, you know, like he had in the Bills game when he he went like 102 yards on that like 80-yard play or whatever it was. But like if if you have some of those types of plays, I could see him getting it. But like you said, if if Kelsey's getting touchdowns. Well, Mahomes is throwing them. And if Evans is getting touchdowns, Brady's throwing it. So, like, I think the the quarterbacks will are obviously the most likely to get it. If I had to go away from them, I'm I think Tyreek Hill would have a shot just because he he literally could score every time he gets the ball. Now, I don't know what sports book this is. I didn't dive in too much. It's pretty much just a list with some odds. But um yeah, Tyreek Hill I think was was fifth after uh the quarterbacks and and Kelsey or maybe it was fourth then yeah it was Mahomes Brady Kelsey then Hill fourth but the other one of, of note here is then any defensive player it's like quarterbacks the electric offensive guy that well, doesn't just catch the ball and then any defensive player the the last time the Bucks were there didn't uh, Derek Brooks win it no it was the safety wasn't oh, it that okay. random safety at two picks I believe then I think he burned out of Tampa Bay a year later, and I think he disappeared. I can't remember his name. 
Yeah, I can give you the the odds. This is from DraftKings. They have Mahomes at minus 105, uh, Brady plus 210. And then, you know, you start getting to these other positions. Tyreek Hill plus 1,200, Kelsey plus 1,300. And then you look at running backs, Fournette plus 2,500, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plus 2,800, and uh, Evans and Godwin are both plus 3,000. Honey Badger's plus 4,000, but you can see, oh, Antonio Brown plus 6,000. Take a (laughs) shot on him. And Gronk is plus 7,000. So those those seem like uh, thank you for your donation kind of odds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if, but what it shows me though is they really seem to think Kansas City's winning this game because look at where Hill and Kelsey are compared to Evans and Godwin. I mean, Hill's 1,200, Kelsey's 1,300, Evans and Godwin are plus 3,000. So just to, Godwin's, Godwin's had a huge postseason for, yeah. for them. Yeah, he's, he's really good. So that's another case where I like to, uh, you know, look at the, the props just to see if there's any hints in there. DraftKings, by the way, has the Chiefs at minus three and the totals – 56 and a half. Uh, the money line is minus 160. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't see myself playing uh, that just with, with that type of juice. The Bucks uh, on the money line are plus 140 to 145 in that range. Can either of you pull out the name of the Tampa Bay safety from back in the uh, no. 2003. Um, I I can picture him. Um, His, and you're right. He did. He did leave. He he uh, played. I think after. another year in Tampa and then left. His first name does start with a D. It's not Derek though. Dexter Jackson. Oh yeah. Uh, Dexter Jackson was the uh, MVP of of uh, was a Super Bowl 37 um, against the the Raiders. Um, We've only had uh, a few defensive players be MVP, but we did have one relatively recently with Von Miller back in Super Bowl Fifty. Um, I, I, you know, I, I said I was like a wide receiver generally is tough to win the MVP because the quarterback's got to get him the ball. But we had Edelman win it just two years ago for the for the Patriots, uh, and he was the seventh wide receiver to do so. Uh, so it's not out of the question, but it'd be interesting to see uh, if Mahomes can do it again after winning it. Last year, I don't believe when the Patriots went back to back, Brady didn't win back to back. No, Deion Branch won the second one. Right. Um, Imagine. Uh, keep in mind, though, that Edelman won it, and the final score was ten to three or whatever, right, or thirteen to yeah. three. Like, you know, that's even crazier that a wide receiver would win it in a low-scoring game. So it looks, I mean, obviously your team has to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl back-to-back to have a chance at back-to-back MVP. So um, it hasn't happened since, oh boy, Terry Bradshaw, is it? Terry Bradshaw, the wow. last person to go back-to-back in 79 and 80, Super Bowl uh, 13 and 14, if Mahomes would be able to repeat with uh, with his Chiefs. So that's interesting. Uh how about uh, how about the Gatorade, Paul? Let's, let's finish on a fun one. How about the Gatorade? Do you have a... Sp- in particular, a color choice for you when it comes to uh, electrolyte infused beverages. Yeah. Well, you know, I, as a Syracuse grad, I would probably go orange. But for betting purposes, 
you have to go red, right? If you think Kansas yeah. City is going to win, you you want to go with their team colors. So I would say red for for that. No, yeah, I'm I'm completely with your with you there. Um, I and I wish where does this where is this coming from? Um, sports betting dime, and that's where they're they're pulling these from. So they have the link to uh, orange plus two hundred, red plus three hundred. Um, then my, I usually, I like to go lime green and yellow. They're plus 700, but I think I'm completely there with you. It's gotta be red for the, for the chiefs or the bucks. I mean, that was a big thing making the, the rounds in the uniform aesthetics community that the Buccaneers and the chiefs use the same red Pantone. It's the exact same color. So, um, yeah. Do you subscribe to any of those interesting, uh, uniform th- matchups? You know, the, like the bucks are technically the home team because the NFC is the home team designated this year. They're actually playing in Tampa Bay, the first team to actually play in their home stadium, but they chose to wear, wear white instead of the, the dark colored uniform. Um, do, you, do you make anything of, of those uh, nuances, Paul? Absolutely not. You know, <laughs> it, it, it cracks me up. I, I hear Eagles fans a lot talk about, well, they're wearing the Kelly green or they're wearing the black uniforms. You know that's that's fine. I will say this: I thought the Flyers uniforms tonight were were pretty cool, and I thought the Lakers uniforms the other night were a little bit in blue. Nowadays, it seems like every team's got thirty seven different type of of uniforms. But as far as it pertaining to the game, no, it's just I, a fun I, coincidence, I, right? I don't. Yeah, I got to get this in, guys. Sure, because I know we're wrapping up here. Off the air, we were talking before the show about because you guys see on my Twitter, I do a lot with college basketball, and I've been fortunate. I'm right around 70% now, just a little bit low. I'm 32 and 15, which probably means it's time to fade me. But you <laughs> asked about the NBA. So, and I said I I try to stay away from the NBA because you go insane because of the swing, the runs in the game are nuts. Well, tonight. The Indiana Pacers were up 20 on the 76ers playing without Embiid. The Sixers are now up seven oh. with seven seconds left. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, they have they have outscored, they have outscored the Pacers in the fourth quarter 35 to 15. So wow. Uh, you know, that's why I I try to stay away from the NBA because it is nuts and that that's not the exception to the rule that is the rule in the nba (laughs) it's just crazy runs i mean for the 76ers you know to be down 20 not have him beat and come back and win this game but that's that's the uh that's the nba yeah let's finish with with uh our super bowl preview show with a talk of the sixers i think that makes the most sense what what do you make of the sixers with and without joel Embiid and the way that um he plays like three out of four games. It's just, it's weird to me. I mean, I know it has to do with wear and tear and whatnot, but you know, in my day, players used to play every game they could play. (laughs) (laughs) You're not big on load management. (laughs) No, no, not really. Um, Yeah. I mean, listen, they, they won tonight against a good team on the road. So I'll give them credit, but they're not even close to the same team without Joe Allen beat And the numbers bear that out. I mean, they're not a contender without him playing. And I think it is frustrating to a lot of fans. And I've just brought it up because I keep hearing the MVP talk. 
you can't miss 25% of your team's games and be the MVP, in my opinion. I'm sorry. LeBron James is 36 years old. You know how many games he's missed this year? Zero. He hasn't missed any of them. And Embiid now tonight, he's missed five games. They played 21. He's already missed five. Is he having a wonderful year? Yeah, he's dominant. You know, most likely the best center in the league. There aren't a whole lot of true centers anymore, but he's having a terrific year. But when you're missing a quarter of your team's games, I'm not going to vote for you or say you should be MVP against a guy who's also having a great year and shows up every night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And LeBron, like, listen, I'll. Justin I'll, is a LeBron hater. Take, he go ahead say right, it. Right, I will. I will. And and that has it has toned down a little bit over the last few years. But like LeBron had the shortest po- like off season you could possibly ever have, and is still playing every game. Like you said, I it it is super frustrating as a Sixers fan. On the other hand, like <laughs> I like right now, I'm just like. Okay, if that save him for the playoffs. Three out of every four, I'll take it. <laughs> like because, like I feel like eventually he's just going to get shut down for you know a month or something like that because that's what happens with the Sixers. Like if you're good, you'll be out forever. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just funny. I, I I saw Paul mention it. Figured we should talk about it on the show. Unfortunately, um, the Sixers made a great comeback to get the victory. The Flyers choked and are now in overtime against the Islanders, despite being up, I believe, three to one entering the third period. Um, but so it goes. It's still early. But uh, Paul, appreciate you joining us again here a third time. Uh, just as fun as the first two. Uh, and we'll have to extend the invitation to you again in the next month or so to uh, to talk more uh, sports with us. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always a good time. Plus. It allowed me to prevent shoveling for at least an hour. So <laughs> there you go. I had a good excuse not to even to begin shoveling. So yeah. thank you for that. Sorry we couldn't extend it a little longer and push it off into the morning for you, but uh, <laughs> might want to get out there before it gets too deep. Yeah. So oh ju- yeah, this is uh, taking me back to my Syracuse days. <laughs> but y- you never know. So- sometimes I feel like when they forecast twelve to eighteen inches. That's when we get four. And then when they say a coating to an inch, that's when we get a foot. Yeah, I can go off in a diatribe for you with my uh, meteorology degree if (laughs) you would like. But uh, no, that's why today, like people ask me all the time, just like all these uh, Facebook weather pages that have popped up that, that like to draw the maps. And you, everyone's commenting, how much am I going to get? How much am I going to get? People ask me, you know, what do you think? And I always basically look at what the forecasters are, the professional and the amateur, and then I cut it in half because it's much better to underestimate than it is to overestimate. Because if we get, you know, eight inches, like things are still going to be closed. Like there's not going to be school. A lot of businesses are going to be closed or have delayed openings. The same would be true if I say we get 18. So I'd much rather, you know, be like, nah, I'm thinking like we're going to get a, a good good six to eight snowstorm versus them saying, you know, what, 15 to 20, 18 to 24. Because then if you don't get a foot and a half, people are mad. It's just like, <laughs> y- you, gotta, you got 10 inches. Like, what are you mad about? Oh, you said we were going to get 18. It's, what does it matter? It's, 
it's just like everybody was mad at the Chiefs for not covering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. week. And then, you know. <laughs> that when is the weather betting coming up? You know, that's probably a thing already. <laughs> How much snow are we going to get? You know, what's the over-under? What, what's the spread? Um, yeah, so I, I've been, I, I was saying, I've been telling people, oh, we're going to get eight, we're going to get eight. Because there was a time this morning where people were talking, jumping on the 18 to 24 bandwagon, and it already changed, and that shifted farther northeast, so we're down to only uh, 10 to 15, I think. So, But that, I've been saying eight now for the last 36 hours, so I'm going to stick with that. And if I'm proved wrong and we get more, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as we don't only get like four or five, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So, all right, guys. I think that's it for episode 326. We hope everyone enjoyed our talk of uh, hoops and the Super Bowl. And Justin and I, like I said at the beginning, we're going to be off the next two weeks. We've been uh, hitting uh, the podcast pretty hard with the Bulldog Hour and this show for the last six, seven months. So we're going to take a couple weeks off to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, and then uh, celebrate your Valentine's Day and President's Day weekend. Uh, we'll be off, but we'll be back on February 21st to celebrate our 10th anniversary. Yep, February 2011 to February 2021. Ten years of Justin and I uh, wasting time and talking sports because it's what we would be doing um, on text and phone and, and, and social media anyway. So why not put it out there for people to uh, to yell at us? So. All right, so that's it for us. We'll be back again in three weeks. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, I think all of us here would say, Go Chiefs! That's a wrap on this episode of the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show, brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop. You can watch each weekly episode live on Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also rate and review us on many of these platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you. Send your email to the Mays Sandwich Shop inbox at joemaysandjraff at gmail.com. The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is a part of the JMNJR Radio Network, home to other productions such as the Bulldog Hour, Tangents with Friends, and Nat Chats with Dad. Until next time. <laughs>